It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Well, there is no such thing as a boring week out there anymore. I mean, you, you think that you can catch your breath, things are starting to look a little bit better, and then kapow, you're, you're kind of knocked down and kicked in the gut all over again. And that's why we're here today. Welcome to the Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston, and we're here to talk about unusual times require creative solutions. And, and, and I want to talk about this. Let me go ahead and give you the website because we have some great show notes today. If you want to go out to money-guy.com, that's money-guy.com, that's G-U-M-O-N-E-Y-Guy-G-U-Y.com. You can write the show. If you want to write me, you can write me at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money guy com as well if you want to give me some show feedback. But what I want to be talking about today is that um, I know this week has been intense because we have tested the lows that we've had back in October, and we've even gone below that point. So a lot of you are starting to really panic, and you can even see that when I turned on CNBC last night at, well, yesterday afternoon at 4 o'clock, I went into the, the conference room and turned on the TV, and even the announcers were, were just acting nutty. I mean, it was like they were they were talking about how they've been in the business for 25, 30 years and never seen the Treasury market do some of the crazy movements we saw this week. So I know it's very unusual. And I'm also a little concerned that next week is Thanksgiving. And with next week being Thanksgiving, I know a lot of us are going to be catching up with family and friends and talking about a lot of the current events. And what's going to be topic number one to a lot of people is obviously the economy, what's going on in the stock market. And and in this crazy volatile time, I felt like it was smart for me to come and talk to you guys because there was a, it was a part of me that was just going to not do a podcast this week and just kind of wait until after Thanksgiving to come back. But then I said, no, that's not the responsible thing to do in this crazy, crazy time. Let's let's get some good information out there. And that way people can listen to this, hopefully before the holidays. And, you know, and that way when they're talking to relatives and friends, they can, you know, put a, put a, put a little reality into the picture because I, I think we need to be step back to a degree and make sure we don't do stupid, stupid actions that we will look back on 10 years from now and be like, what in the world was I thinking doing that at that time? So let's, let's put some um, level-headedness into this whole process. So uh, I wanted to provide you some rational data, but I also wanted to open up some dialogue with you guys because didn't ask for it. I did to, I did from one listener, but the others of you guys have just kind of overwhelmed me with providing me with some thoughts about what you think is the reasonable thing to do for, for our leaders up there in Washington, what they could do to try to, to minimize and make the current situation better. And I got to tell you, you guys always amaze me. I should not be amazed anymore, but maybe I'm just hard-headed. Is I'm always amazed at how successful the, the group of listeners I attract are. I mean, and, and that's not because of I think I'm doing anything great. I just think it's um, you know, it's it's the medium that we're working in. We're working with podcasting, which a lot of you guys are on the upper level and the fact that you, you know, you're the first early adopters of of iPods, of iPhones and other MP3 players. So you're out there downloading this data. You've recognized you don't have to be tied to your car or tied to your computer anymore to listen to content. So you, a lot of you are using this for your, your commutes, you listen to it while you work out, and you're the early adopters, so you're, you're, the, you're the smartest and most successful out there. And, and that always amazes me, but it also has provided me with the benefit of getting some incredible, incredible ideas that I hope 
our leaders in Washington and, and, and other policy and decision makers can kind of get a hold of some of these ideas because if they can do this, there are some ideas that I think could really change a lot of what's going on. And I want to share that because you never know. You know, you hear about that game of um, the, the degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon is that supposedly we're only, you know, several people away from knowing everybody in the world. You know, you can, you can kind of connect the dots and play the game. Well, I'm kind of hoping we're having that with somebody out in the audience is going to listen to this podcast, hear some of these suggestions, and pass it on. Or I'm hoping if that does, is not the case, that some of you guys are going to get inspired after listening to today's show. Go to the website, money-guy.com, and look at the link that I put out there for this website called votesmart.org, which is a, an organization that if you type in your address up on the front page, your zip code, it will, it will tell you who... Um, who your elected officials are and how to contact them. And I think that's important. So maybe some of you guys will be moved to actually take action and write your elected officials. And let's see if we can make a difference. I always say that I'm trying to lead a movement here. I'm trying to get you to look at your personal finances in a different way because so many of us out there, there's so many people that are part of the problem right now, have not been responsible. And it sure would be nice if we could start a movement. And I want to be on the front lines of that movement to, to kind of change the way everybody looks at their personal finances so we can be be even stronger, be even more independent financially, and make good decisions, and just take us to a pinnacle that we've not even been as a country to this point. So let's jump in. And I'm looking at my show notes, just seeing if I missed anything on what I just talked about. And and I, and I think it is important just to kind of talk about who my listeners are, is that we do have educators, technology executives, um, successful entrepreneurs, financial advisors, and even people who work directly with some of our national leaders. And I've seen that when I see your email addresses and see who's out there listening. I'm always amazed. I really do think we can make a difference. Um, I've been thinking about when I watch the news recently, I do feel like that a lot of the people that are getting the lion's share of the money that's being handed out up there in Washington are the people who've made bad decisions. And I know that sounds bad to say, but I really do believe it. I think there's a lot of you out there listening to me right now that are feeling the exact same thing. You're, you're like me. You, you're, you're following the rules. You're, you're paying your bills on time. You live below the income level that you make. You're saving money for a rainy day and building, a financial, you know, building some financial independence down the road. You feel like you're doing everything right. You're even a risk taker. Maybe you started a small business. I'll tell you my own personal situation is I saved up about $40,000 when I knew I wanted to start this company back in 2002. Well, I actually started planning back in 2001, started saving a large chunk of cash, left a very good paying, very good firm, still friends with that firm, think they're a great firm that I used to work at, but I wanted to do it my way. So I took a risk and I blew through every bit of that $40,000 to try to grow this business and get a good foundation so it could be successful. And that was that was very, very scary to do that. But it's the road less traveled. I think there's a lot of people out there listening in the audience that have made that exact same decision. And if you keep hearing that the people who have not done what they're supposed to, they have not done the things that have made this country so good, they're getting rewarded. You start to ask yourself, what in the world am I doing? Why am I swimming upstream? when everybody who's making bad decisions is somehow getting rewarded. And and that's why, you know, I didn't plan on doing a show on this, but you guys have written me some emails over the last few weeks that have been brilliant. I can't think of any other word to describe it than brilliant. And one of them I'm going to get into is Mark in Colorado wrote me, and he sent me this email last night, and his 
his subject is just I thought I can't find a, a negative to this to the suggestion that Mark put together, but his suggestion is is providing money to banks through a mortgage principal pay down deduction that you could get on your tax return. And let me read you his email and, and hang in there with me because I think Mark does a good job of explaining how a lot of us are feeling. And he writes, Brian, I enjoy your podcast. I work with an advisor here in Colorado that is similar in practice to you, and your podcast is a way for me to get some extra and free consulting. Thanks for what you do. I wonder if you think the idea below could ever gain traction in Congress. I have tremendous disappointment at the bailout activities happening in our government, particularly since I strive to live below my means and save with a long-term goal of financial independence. Our savings, rates, our savings rates, investments, and potential future tax rates are being negatively impacted by the activities of others. An analogy to the situation could be described as getting passed by speeders on the highway, yet you get the ticket. And I think a lot of us are feeling that way. And, I, and I'm kind of hitting a pause button here on, on, on Mark's email. And I, I do, I, I totally feel what Mark is saying is that I think a lot of the people who have taken risk, who have tried to make the right decisions, are feeling like the government's kind of missing, missing them. And I think Washington has to white, walk a, a, a really tightrope on this because if you've got the doers are starting to feel like that the system is against them and we're swimming upstream, and why should I take more risk? Why should I do what's right? Why should I save money in the bank? If down the road I'm just going to get penalized for doing the right thing, the government has to be very, very, very careful that they don't let this mindset set in with all the doers out there. And I know this is—I hear this all the time. I've had—I had a client walk in my office um, a few weeks ago, and we were talking about everything that's going on in Washington and the policies. And I don't want this to be perceived wrong, but I think there's some there's there's some reality to this statement. And I didn't say it. This is one of my clients that came in and was seeing me. He's, and we were talking about equality and thing, you know, equality and how fair life was. And he said, Brian, I'll make this challenge to you. He said, if we could, if you could take, you know, in a theoretical sense, take all the wealth in the United States right now and divvy it up, you know, spread it out equally among everybody. He said, I give you 10 years and a lot of the exact same people who have the wealth now will have it again in 10 years. And that got me, and I know that sounds very cold to say, but I started thinking about it. And, you know, and there's a little bit of truth to that if you think about it and the fact that I can think about my own family situation. We all have relatives that are dreadful with money. And I'll go ahead and open up the curtain behind the, you know, Brian Preston's life is that, you know, I lost my father back in 2000. And when I lost my father, you know, my mother got a, a small insurance policy and there were some other things that came her way. And she said, to me and my brother, hey, I'm going to give each of you $10,000, you know, just to, to kind of help you make it through what has happened with the loss of your father at a, at a, at a young age. So I, I took that $10,000, and I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you what I did with it. I took um, $2,000 in my account and my wife's Roth IRA accounts. We went ahead and funded Roth IRAs that year. So that's what I did with 4000 of it. The other 6000 I used part of it to pay down a, a home equity line that I had on the, on the house I was living in at the time. And then I used some to pay down some credit card debt that I had back in 2000. And that's it. So I used it to pay down debt and then, then to invest. My brother, who I love dearly, and he's kind of a gearhead. He's, you know, always been at him and my father restored a bunch of antique automobiles all while I was growing up. Somehow that bug didn't catch me and I have to pay somebody to do all that stuff for me. But my brother is all into automotive working on cars and so forth. He used his $10,000 and he'd probably be embarrassed and cringe if he even actually listened to this podcast 
is that he took, I think, 7,000 of that and bought a race car, a drag car, I think. It had the big old fat tires on the back. And it was a waste of money. I mean, I, I, there was no way that that was a good purchase because I don't even think the car ran, to be honest with you. And what was unfortunate is that a year and a half later, I think he got rid of the thing or traded it out and basically got a, you know, a dollar for every seven dollars he spent. He, he lost a tremendous amount of money. And I think that goes throughout the entire country. I think that there are a lot of people out there that make good use of their money, and then there's others that kind of just squandered away. And that's why it's a cold, hard fact, but it is true. But I, I, I think the government has to be very careful that they don't make the people who are doing, the ones that are creating jobs, that are starting business ventures, who are the people that are driving the force of the country, that we don't feel alienated or feel like you have to be part of the bad behavior that's being rewarded. Because if you do that, the whole thing is going to come tumbling down. So, okay, I've gone on that sidebar long enough, probably upset a few of you, and I apologize for that. Believe me, I try to take politics out of this show as much as possible, but sometimes I cannot help but share the feelings I'm feeling about as being an entrepreneur and starting two successful companies, how I feel as a person with what's going on with you know with, with some of the policies i mean I, I think you've got to be careful so let's let's get back to what what mark wrote in his email because he has a really good point here he says maybe as a reward to those who save the federal government should reserve some of the tarp funds and that's that bailout fund that 700 billion dollar fund that the federal reserve has he says that paulson has set aside that he can you know kind of do as he sees fit he says let's take some of that tarp funds to offset a tax benefit the benefit would consist of a tax deduction for those who pay extra principal on home loans. The benefit could be similar to what we receive for contributions to a 401k or IRA, or perhaps could even be capped at similar amounts. Now, and what he's talking about there, what Mark's talking about is there's a saver's credit. For low-income people who save for retirement, there is a tax credit that you can take, take on your return right now. He goes on, he says, if 1 million Americans were able to pay an extra $1,000 in principal, that would be $1 billion of capital released from a stagnant savings account or declining investments. What if $10,000 could be freed from the same number of individuals or more people were able to find extra money to apply to their debt? This may not significantly affect tax, federal tax receipts since much of this money is sitting in low-interest savings accounts of which the federal government will only receive a low percentage as interest in, in income tax. An effective Congress would make could take immediate action on such a plan so that many of us could recognize the benefits this year. And and I'll get back to what Mark says, but do you hear? I thought that was brilliant. I, it, it took a second to, to, to kind of sink in, but what he's saying is, and he is dead on, is that there is tons and tons and tons of cash sitting on the sidelines right now. People have gotten scared, and they've got money in their savings accounts, just sitting on the sidelines. And what are, with the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates like they're doing, what are people making on their savings? Practically nothing. There, there's even people talking about that the Federal Reserve is going to drop interest rates potentially down to zero by year end to try to, to, to work against this crazy, crazy financial crisis we're in. And if they do that, what is that going to do to your savings rates, your CD rates, your you know, savings accounts rates? it's going to lower them to where it's very minimal. So you're not going to have a lot of interest income being generated on this money. So it's not going to be a lot of tax revenue from that income. But they could flood banks because what happens when you give your bank, 10, say you pay $10,000 on your mortgage right now, and they gave you a tax deduction. 
And you you know, if you're in the high income tax bracket, that would be like, you know, a 33 cents, on, you know, 33 to 39 cents on the dollar, you know, that the government helped you pay on that that principal. And what would be great to that also is that it floods the banks with liquidity. It floods the banks with cash, which they need to get the lubrication going to to unhint, you know, to get this economy back moving, get all the moving parts working again. It would provide the liquidity so that people could get loans on cars again. It would it would have. I know people hate that term trickle down effect, but it would if you could flood the banks with all this cash that comes into them. They would then be able to give car loans to people who want to buy car loans, who don't have the cash in the bank to buy car loans. It would provide money to, to people with all needs, you know, starting small businesses and so forth. I think this is a brilliant idea. Uh, I really do. I can't think about, I, I can't figure out what would be negative about it because um, it, it's, it's somewhat revenue neutral in the fact that um, it's not going to be a lot of income loss on that money that gets paid out. And if, if you think that's too much money, Make it a credit. Make it ten cents on the dollar credit. So if you do ten thousand dollars, you get a one thousand dollar tax credit instead of being a tax deduction, which um, you know would benefit those who are in higher tax rates. It, it, you take your pick. I just know that people like myself would jump on this. I have enough money in cash on the sidelines that if you offered me some type of tax incentive to go pay down my mortgage, I would do it. And it also let's think about this: simple economics and basic policy. This is so common sense, but I don't think people in Washington think about things this way. Is that if you whatever you want to discourage, whatever behavior you want to discourage, tax it. Whatever behavior you want to encourage, provide tax incentives. So you think about it in those terms. We're encouraging people to pay down their mortgages. We're encouraging people to put more money over at the banks so that they have the money to lend that to to put that money out there to work. I mean tremendous 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 things that could happen there and that's why you know when I talk about that whole core philosophy about the taxes is that you you penalize if you want to penalize something if you want to reduce it tax it and that's why I do have a problem with raising capital gains taxes Lord knows we need all the investment in this country as we can get and to to tax capital gains to tax the risk that's going out there is I don't think the most beneficial thing in the world um, I want to close out, you know, Mark's email with reading a few more things. It says, the advantage with such a plan is that banks would receive extra funds to use for new loans or to apply towards workouts on distressed loans. The banks would also gain further insight into what loans may be toxic. Also, we should be encouraging homeowners to reduce debt and take money off the sidelines. This could be the start of a new national trend toward becoming a saving society rather than an excessive consumption and debtor society. More importantly, our government could not, would not be giving our children's money to those who have failed today. Is this a benefit for the rich or the physically intelligent? That's fiscally, you know, with an F, intelligent, perhaps. But other income brackets will benefit as well assuming not everyone has lived above their means. Wait a minute, let me read that sentence because I just totally messed that, messed that up. Perhaps, but other income brackets will benefit as well, assuming not everyone has lived above their means and has some extra money to apply towards their, their home. We need to reward individual financial success and intelligence rather than rescue a few select whose actions have negatively impacted so many. Thanks again for your podcast, especially in these interesting times. I think, Mark, you're right on. I think it's brilliant. Pass it on. That's that's the best thing. If you're listening to this, think it's got some um, 
got some legs, got some, you know, some meat to that thought, pass it on. I think you owe it to yourself. If you know somebody who's an elected official, pass it on. I think we could actually make a difference. Let's move on to another listener who provided me some insight, Tim in Atlanta. I've actually met Tim, um, very smart guy. He was um, an engineer, uh, a, a nuclear engineer for the Navy, and then he's also had a very successful consulting practice for many years and he wrote an op-ed piece that was in a newsletter that he sent up to me for me to read and it was a letter to the new president and I wanted to focus on what he wrote about the economy and this is what Tim wrote he said focus on the economy he said job number one is to get the economy moving in the right direction number point number one do not overtax entrepreneurs that take risk innovate and create value in jobs and, and I will give president-elect Obama credit on the fact that um you know, I like how he has all these consultants, these advisors, Warren Buffett. Um, I even know he uses the, the, the founder of Aerial Appreciation as kind of in his inner circle of advisors. And I think he has some good people surrounding him, giving him some, some thoughts on what's going on in the economy. But the one thing I think he is lacking, and I've heard other people talking about this, is that I don't see a lot of entrepreneurs in his circle of influence. And I hope he can get some input from people who are entrepreneurs. I know Warren Buffett is a great investor, and I'm a huge fan. I think you guys know that I'm a huge fan as much as I talk about Warren Buffett. But Warren Buffett is is not one that starts companies. That's a completely different animal for somebody who starts companies and starts companies that turn out to be extremely successful. There's a talent that goes into being that type of mindset. So I hope that President-elect Obama will surround himself with some of these entrepreneurial type minds that can that can really show you what it takes to be successful in this country and what we can do to encourage that because let's face it small businesses drive this country they're the ones employing everybody they're the ones that are creating businesses and ventures that are that are the future of where we are so we need to have he needs to have some type of leadership that can help him in that aspect he goes on. This is what Tim goes on. He says, reform corporate taxation, lower taxes while closing loopholes. And I agree with him. There's no reason to have all these special special interest loopholes out there on the corporate tax code. Simplify it to a large degree. See if you can find some, you know, some tax revenues from closing those loopholes, but lowering it overall for everybody who's not using a loophole to lower their taxes. Do not overregulate. Regulation begets regulation. Regulation also often creates complexity which creates loopholes inviting waste and abuse. Pursue light and prudent regulation. Amen to that. As I told you guys, and I complained about it, here's the Securities and Exchange Commission who's in charge of watching all these big investment banks to know what's going on. They're, they're, they're not spending time with those guys. They were spending time with you know, registered investment advisors like my firm last year. And, and I tell you, half the reason I think that stuff happens is because it's the path of least resistance. You come to, to a firm like mine and look at our books and you see it's clean, it's easy. It's an easy audit. You come in here and, and, and you know you don't have any resistance. You're not going to be met with corporate lawyers, you know, corporate attorneys telling you, no, you don't have the right to do this. No, go back. You know, they're, they're loaded up to the gills. The people who were you know, milking the system for billions, who have taken the system down to its foundation, are the ones that... You know, they were not the pass, path of least resistance. It was not an easy path. The SEC, to go and talk to those corporate attorneys and to find out what was going on behind the curtains was much harder than coming in and picking on the small guys who, 
you know, I've never heard of a fee-only financial planner milking, you know, bilking millions out of their clients. I just don't hear it, but yet we get a lot of attention from the SEC. So I do hope that that whoever, you know, whoever President-elect Obama puts in charge and, you know, whoever is taking care of the Securities and Exchange Commission will focus on where the smoke is and don't just come to, to a place that just seems easy um, because it's an easier day of work. Um, he goes on to say, he says, keep low the cost of capital to businesses. Reevaluate your positions on capital gains taxes. And, I, and I've talked about that. Remember, if you want to ever slow down something, tax it. If you want to ever provide, you know, encourage something from a governmental policy standpoint, provide incentives, provide tax incentives. Very simple, basic economic principle there. Strive to keep America competitive. For example, maintain neutrality, neutrality on unionization efforts. Focus on a quality of opportunity, not a quality of outcomes for all Americans. And I know that's hard this day. It seems like it's become somehow right in this country to be mad at the people who've been successful. And I know I probably sound a little sore about that right now, but it's exactly what I was talking about earlier in this podcast. I do feel like right now that, um, you know, if you've done the right moves, you're kind of a bad guy. The way this country is set up right now is everybody wants to pick on the guy who's made the hard decisions. We need to change that philosophy because if we keep going down that path, God help us all. So we need to change the tone when it comes to dealing with the people who are taking the risk and and trying to do what's right out there. Tim closes out his op-ed piece with the following statement. Recognize government's limitations and its dark side. Government cannot solve all uh, all that ails us, nor should it. Often government makes matters worse. Remember the words of George Washington. Government is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. So I think that this was a great op-ed piece that Tim put together in Atlanta. And then I thought Mark in Colorado did an incredible job with his suggestion too. So if any of this has kind of hit you, you know, kind of, you know, with everything that's crazy going on right now, and as I titled the, the show topic here today, is unusual times require creative solutions. Take action. You know, why not write your elected officials? And if you don't know who your elected officials are, you don't know their address, just go to votesmart.org. And I'm going to put a link on the website that's at money-guy.com. And you can go type in, you know, your zip code. It will tell you who your elected officials are and write everybody. I'm, not, I'm talking about write President-elect Obama, write your senators, write your House of Representative members, Write anybody, you know, write the congressional and and Senate leadership as well. I mean, there's nobody too big, too small that you cannot help but get involved with. And I think you'd be surprised at how if enough of us got together and passed on these thoughts, people would listen to us. It's just right now the people who are asking for help are the ones that didn't make the good decisions. And we need to change that tone. And I appreciate you guys putting up with me. uh, You know, we will make it through this crazy, crazy time. I'm going to close out the show with just a few quick comments about this crazy market. If you look at the stock market from 1984 to 2002, the S&P 500 averaged about 12.9%. The average mutual fund average, you know, equity mutual fund averaged about 9.6, but the average investor only averaged about 2.7%. That's from the Bogle Financial Center, those statistics are. And I think that shows you that emotions make up probably 99% of the reason we can't seem to get it right when it comes to investing. And if you want proof of how you need to be careful dealing with your financial decisions during this time, think about this. Dividend yields on the stock market right now 
are higher than the, the yield that treasuries are paying. Treasury bond yields are lower than the dividends being paid on, on equity stocks right now. So if you go by the indexes, you're probably getting a better, the S&P 500 dividend yield is a, around 3.5% right now. The 10-year note yield is, is below 3.3%. So not only can you buy the S&P 500, get a 3.5% yield on your money, but you also have the potential to double your money over the next five years. Now go get that opportunity with buying treasury notes. So be very careful what decisions you make right now. I know the comfort of cash may seem just like the best thing in the world right now in this uncertain time, but I think if you're not careful 10 years from now, you're going to look back and that's going to be the disastrous move. Because if you give up now, you're not going to make it back. If you stay the course, the only way you can make your money back is to, to stay in there to get that over, that, that, that the, the outsized return, the oversized return that comes from markets. As you know, you're talking about Newton's cradle, you know, those, those things that you see in everybody's office where the balls that you, you know, I think it's five balls that, you know, you, you pull one and you let go of it and the balls, the pendulum swings and the ball goes the exact opposite way out the other side. The same thing's going to happen with the stock market. We're getting hammered right now. You've got companies like Apple that have no debt, have, um, you know, tons of cash, and their their stocks are being cut in a half. I mean, GE Warren Buffett buys warrants at twenty two, you know, twenty two and a half, or twenty two fifty, and now it's trading at thirteen, fourteen dollars a share. Insane. I'm telling you guys, be careful what you do during this time because the only way you're going to make it back to a large degree is if you're in the market when it makes its outsized recovery. Now, it doesn't mean if you're 80 years old that you need to be all in equities. I've seen those portfolios. That's not right. You need to be diversified, have an asset allocation that matches your risk level, your retirement dates, and all your goals. But don't try to play the timing game. I think you can get yourself in a lot of trouble, especially in this market right now. Fear is gripping everybody. And when you have fear, everything loses. If you look at commodities, they get ham- they're hammered right now. I mean, gas is below $2 a gallon here in Georgia right now. So be very careful, be very rational and prudent about your thought process. And I think in the long term, you're going to be rewarded. And you just have to think about that. I know that's probably falling on deaf ears for a lot of you because a lot of you have probably just given up. But I think it's very, very important. And we're going to be okay. I don't lose sleep over the stock market. I lose sleep over my clients giving up. And that's the truth. I'm I'm probably a you know, a, a, I'd never have taken sleeping pills in my life, and I, and I, but I've been taking the over-the-counter stuff recently just because I'm not worried about the stock market. I really am not. I promise you that. I'm worried about my clients giving up, and that that's that's what really bothers me is I don't want my clients knowing how dangerous it is right now for people to seek cash. What could happen to them when this thing turns and then they get left holding the bag because not only did they did they buy when the market was up higher than it currently is? But they also sold at the at the at the very bottom, and that's not what you're trying to do. As simple as it sounds, it really is the way things are supposed to work. The way you want to win this game: buy low, sell high. I'm your host Brian Preston. I'll talk to you probably after Thanksgiving. It'll probably be about two weeks. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. 
Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.